Do you want to become a better hockey player this summer with Paul Vincent Hockey? Since 1972, Paul Vincent, currently the head skills instructor of the Florida Panthers, has been developing NHL and college hockey players. Paul Vincent stands by his saying, there is always room for player development. Players such as Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves, Matt Grizzlick, Patrick Sharp, Adam Oates, and many more have trained with Coach Vincent and his staff and have outstanding results. Join Paul Vincent this summer at one of his four Massachusetts locations, Canton, Saugus, Middleton, and Falmouth on Cape Cod. Registration is now open for 2022 camps. To reserve your spot today, go to pvhockey.com or call 978-807-4070. That's pvhockey.com or call 978-807-4070. Paul Vincent is ready to get back to work this summer. Are you? Welcome to New England Hockey Journal's RinkWise Podcast, the podcast for serious hockey players and their supporters to help further their development and navigate their way throughout their hockey careers. And now, here is your host, New England Hockey Journal's Kirk Ludicky. Welcome into another of our New England Hockey Journal's RinkWise Podcast episodes. I am glad to be here with you today, uh, joined by guest host Matt Cater. Matt, welcome. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me again. We are in studio in Milton, Massachusetts, and joining us today for a very special chat is Harvard University head coach Ted Donato, Hyde Park, Mass, Catholic Memorial, Harvard as a player, Boston Bruins, among other teams in the NHL, and then right from a pro playing career to uh, behind the bench in Cambridge. Coach Donato, uh, welcome. Thank you for joining us. Well, thanks for having me, guys. Uh, excited to be here. Yeah, well, it's, we're going to have uh, quite the conversation. So, Matt, I'm going to pitch it over to you uh, since you have known uh, Ted for so long, and uh, we'll, we'll let you get it started. But, uh, uh, again, great, great conversation here. Well, it's, you have a fascinating background for me, having uh, met you back in the late 80s, early 90s. But, you know, you seem to know everyone in Massachusetts and Mass Hockey. Uh, how did it all get started for you and your family? Yeah, well, we, uh, we grew up in, in Hyde Park, uh, you know, uh, you'd be surprised to know my dad played everything but hockey. So he was, uh, you know, he was a football player, basketball player, baseball player, um, you know, went to, you know, BC High, uh, went to Boston College, left after his freshman year to to uh, to sign with the Pittsburgh Pirates, uh, then came home um, and uh, end up uh, working for a guy named Bob Crocker, uh, oh, you know, yeah. that... Uh, yeah. All of, us, all of Hall us, all of us. Hall of Famer. Yeah, yeah. so uh, worked a little bit while he was getting his master's in, uh, in education um, at BU. So, uh, you know, uh, certainly a lover of sports. So as kids, uh, you know, we would, we would be all over the place playing sports, actually not too far from where we're at today. Uh, we used to go to Milton Academy um, because my father was a high school headmaster and, uh, you know, and then... He would stay in shape, and on, on Friday afternoons, he would get on a plane and fly all over uh, the country as a Division One big-time college football referee. So uh, we'd get to watch him sometimes on, on TV. He did the Big East. He did an independent. He's done several bowl games, Cotton Bowl. Uh, he's done the Army-Navy game a bunch of times. So, um, so 
you know, we were a sports family and, you know, the, you know, talk about seasons, uh, you know, we played baseball, we played, you know, whatever, whatever season it was we played, but hockey in particular, um, you know, I think, I think looking back, I was really, um, I'm, I'm probably, uh, part of the, you know, the, the, the Bobby Orr generation, if you will, you know, when, when all of a sudden, uh, you know, uh, MDC rinks started to pop up across Massachusetts. Um, we were lucky to, enough to have one in Hyde Park. And uh, for me, um, my older brothers had started playing. Uh, I think my older brother, Michael, didn't play, I think, until he was like 11 years old. Uh, then went on to play Division I hockey at Princeton in, in baseball, uh, Division I baseball at Princeton. But uh, for me, I watched my older brothers. We played street hockey. You know, we played uh, a sport that that would be foreign now. We called it, uh, you know, now would be mini sticks, but we, we called it hand hockey. We played with a sock in our hands, and it was full contact, and, and uh, we played beanpot games. Uh, you know, uh, we'd introduce each other. We had four boys, so... Uh, you know, uh, when mom and dad went out on a on a Saturday night for for a pizza, uh, you know, all bets were off in the house. It was, uh, you know, the Bruins game. Come on, and uh, you know, if you remember the old, uh, you know, intro to the Bruins, it was it was pretty uh, electrifying. So, uh, but, but when you were when you were growing up, though, it was there was none of this fed hockey as much uh, now as they have now. Um, like you played more town. Yeah. Right? So so the way it worked, and I think I was probably. Um, in the first generation of players that were introduced to what would now be called like triple a hockey or whatever you might have. So, um, so first of all, you know, I had a babysitter that, uh, you know, whose brother, you know, uh, took me to the rink and would show me, you know, and kind of taught me how to skate a little bit. And, uh, and back day the back then it's almost like it is in Minnesota today, the rink would be open, during the day, because you had a you had a full size rink uh, arena, you know, ice sheet, um, and then you had a smaller little rink right next to it, and that was where if my brothers had practice, I could go jump on the rink uh, during the day. If there was a half day of school or whatever, sometimes you could go and get on that little rink. You might not get on the big rink because that might have been saved for you know someone rent, renting the ice, but it gave us a chance to get on the ice and play against each other and and. Um, you know, but for me, the, you know, one, one of the reasons why, um, you know, it's, it's different today is that, you know, basically I'd go to school, <laughs> come home and, and go to practice, you know, maybe once, twice a week um, and then play for your town team. And, and the, the rink was, you know, maybe two miles from my house. But not only that, the Milton Arena was, was you know, probably close, closer or just as close you know, a mile away, and and there were probably five or six rinks within ten miles. So, um, you know, whether it was Dorchester or whatever. So, um, so it was it was there was an accessibility there, um, and you know, as a parent, you didn't have to choose whether your kid was going to you know try to be a professional hockey player in, in might hockey, and uh, and so we played we we played other seasons, we played other sports, and basically there was. The way it was built back then, it was there was, there was the town team, and then there was the house league. So even the house league, what might have you know, even for, you know, for let's say squirts, the, you know, which was two two birth years, they might have eight teams in the house league, and then like an A and a B team for Hyde Park, and uh, and so uh, you know, 
we, we traveled around. We played, uh, we played in a league that was in Randolph at one point, and then we actually played in a league um, in Pembroke, believe it or not, which isn't exactly close to, to Hyde Park. And, uh, you know, and, and then on the weekends, I would say probably starting, you know, really around squirts, they added these kind of, um, you know, all-star teams, if you will, uh, really almost from, from like leagues. And, uh, and you might get two guys from a certain team that would be on it. And we would play like one game a week. But the town team took precedent over, you know, over that team. And, uh, and there wasn't a, a ton of travel. It was just an extra game to put, you know, to play all the, you know, you know, all the, the best players against each other. And, uh, but it was a lot of unstructured play, uh, when you were with your brothers and, and around with your buddies. So you had a, uh, obviously a great career there at CM. Um, how did you end up at Harvard and what was the college recruiting process like for you? Yeah, well, I went to CM. Um, you know, my dad was a BC High guy. He's in the, the Sports Hall of Fame there. Um, my older brother, Michael, went to CM. My brother, Chris, went to CM. Uh, Chris had kind of, um, you know, waffled a little bit between BC High and CM. Uh, I was looking kind of at both of them, but but CM was a lot closer to us um, than than BC High was. Um, and, you know, it, it, wasn't, uh, it wasn't, you know, as accomplished at the time. Hockey-wise, is BC High, so I thought maybe, just maybe, I'd have a chance to to play earlier, whether it was freshman year or sophomore year. Um, as it turned out, you know, I was able to make it my freshman year and uh, and had a great year. And uh, but it, you know, CM was, you know, CM went on to have some great success. Uh, but we were we were we were fortunate to be kind of at the front of it. So you know, and and my uh, sophomore year, um, you know, my my. My freshman year, we we lost out uh, by one point. A guy named Billy Kopechny from uh, from Austin Prep who was a good player. Uh, and 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 actually, if you look at goalie gloves now, the catching glove, there's a there's there's a piece that it used to look more like um, you know just just the webbing, and there's a piece now that connects the webbing to to like almost your your forearm. Um, and that piece was designed by Richie Birchall, who was a goalie oh. whose dad worked in a, you know, had a, had a, had a, had a, uh, you know, a um, auto body shop. And, and, and Richie cut off a piece of the old waffle board and connected it over. Well, we took a penalty, you know, as for an illegal equipment, and, uh, and they scored. We didn't make the tournament that year. We came back the next year, sophomore year, uh, and made it, uh, you know, played at Northeastern. And then my junior and senior year, we won it. And then they went on a stretch where I, I think they won it like, you know, something like 14 out of 16 years to follow. Yeah, they were like, yeah, the CM was like Mount St. Charles of Massachusetts. Yeah, and, and it, I mean, at the time, they hadn't made the tournament, you know, from 19, I think, 71 until, you know, until like 85 or something like that. And, and, they, and they, you know, so it's, it's, uh, it's, it, was a, it was a great time and a great place to, to go to school. So yeah, on the on the Harvard front, who was the impetus behind uh, recruiting you to Harvard? Yeah, I think uh, Ron Tomasoni was the assistant coach. Uh, you know, they had Bill Cleary there, who uh, you know was uh, was a f- famous coach and 1960 gold medalist and 56 uh, silver medalist and uh, just a uh, you know real uh, you know upbeat personality. Always talked about offense and and you know and so uh, and and Harvard was successful. In that time, I think before I got there, they you know they'd gone to three three uh, 
three out of four years had gone to the final four. Um, so, I, I mean, if, if I was being, you know, fully honest, growing up, you know, we were always, you know, in our, in our, you know, in our street hockey games, it was always BC or BU. It was, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't all four beanpot schools, I can tell you. Um, and there were so many great players, obviously the, the 80 Olympics, uh, you know, and, and the impact that had with, uh, you know, with the guys, uh, you know, you know, on the team from, you know, from BU and, and that kind of stuff. So, uh, but recruiting wise, you know, I, I didn't know if I, I would have the, you know, the academics to be able to get into Harvard. I was fortunate enough to, to be able to, to be accepted. And, uh, you know, I think my, my dad and mom were important recruiters as well, because I had a, a chance to go to BC, uh, and BU. BC was just building, uh, Conti Forum, uh, and BU had, you know, Jack Parker, who, you know, uh, you don't have to talk much about Jack Parker, one of the best coaches uh, ever in college hockey. So uh, I had I had some great opportunities and great choices, but uh, to me, you know, I was five foot nine, <laughs> and uh, you know, at the time, you know, the the uh, you know, there just wasn't a lot of Americans. You know, uh, you know, I got to watch uh, the can't miss kid on uh, on uh, on the Carpenter. front on the front of Sports yeah. Illustrated, and that was Bobby Carpenter because he played against. My older brothers, uh, he was at St. John's Prep, and they played, you know, in the old Catholic Conference uh, with the teams that are currently, but also add, you know, Matignon, which was, you know, a machine, and and uh, and Archbishop Williams, which had some great players as well. The, the fascinating character for me in your four years, and I've got to know him over the years, is Coach Cleary. What was he like as a coach, and what did he teach you that you were able to carry on the rest of your career? Yeah, I think... Um, I think he had no fear, first of all, and and he and he, and he played. Uh, he he coached in a way that, as players, we didn't fear anyone. Uh, we we were going to play the way we wanted to play. We were going to get after teams. We were going to make them play fast, and we were going to make them drag us down. And if you put us on the power play, it was going to be you know good night for you. And and I think that's. Uh, you know, he didn't worry about. He used to talk about positions, and he used to say, "Hey, we're just lining up for faceoffs." You know, which, Love it. to be honest with you, uh, is really how the games evolved. <laughs> but back then, uh, you know, it was it was more about stay in your lane and stay down the, you know, go up and down the wing and take slap shots. So, you know, he was definitely a, a pioneer in that regard. Well, he is because nowadays you just see so much structure and video breakdowns and everything else. And you know, the thing I, I mean, I. I didn't see Coach Cleary play. I got to play a little bit of uh, pickup with him a few times, and he had the puck the whole time, uh, you know, because he was smarter than everyone else. And he, I thought he coached that way too. Like he had a really way of, of bringing out the best skill in, in all of you guys. Would you say that he helped your development a ton those four years just because he let you play hockey? Yeah, I mean, we, we weren't bogged down watching video of the other team, I can tell you that. And and I watched more video in uh in high school than I did in college. You know, we, you know, we uh, basically, you know, came out, we were going to get after you. Uh, you know, we knew, you know, generally what the other team's, you know, top players' uh, tendencies were, but but we were worried about ourselves. And uh, and Coach was really, um, you know, he, we didn't have a lot of, you know, rules and regulations. It was basically, hey, be a good player and be, be a good kid and uh, – represent the, the program well, uh, you know, on campus. And uh, this is a great opportunity. But when we come down the rink, we're going to have fun and we're going to get after it. 
So one of the, one of the first times I got to see your group play uh, was at the NCAA tournament uh, when you guys won the national championship. And you had some great players, Savaglia, Lane McDonald, who we all know, Alan Borbeau, C.J. Young. You know, the list goes on and on. How Eddie, how Eddie Crayer popped out of nowhere and did the backhand, I'm not sure. But, well, you know, you know it was amazing. What's funny on that team, Matt, um, first of all, Eddie Crayer was a, played in the World Juniors. Yeah. So, uh, so you know, we had we – had, and I, I was on the third line with uh, – with John Murphy and Mike Vukinich, who, you know, Mike Vukinich also played uh, in the American Hockey League or the IHL back then. Um, but, you know, we had the line of fire, which was, you know, which was Alan Borbeau between uh, Lane McDonald and C.J. Young. And then a second line with uh, Peter Savaglia centering Eddie Crayer and John Weisbrod. And so, um, you know, we had, I, I think, a power play that, that clicked at something like 36%. Uh, so we had five forwards on the power play. So uh, myself and Alan Bourbeau were the two two defensemen on the power play. Yeah, so, I remember you on the point. Yeah, yeah. so we... Uh, we 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 weren't uh, we were trying to keep everything in. Let's say we weren't yeah. backing off too much. <laughs> yeah, and you had an impact season. I mean, you you, know, you come in as a freshman, and and there's you know obvious pressure. But just talk about the how. I mean, you were obviously prepared to play at that level. Uh, I mean, you were almost a point per game, and 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 I I have to guess that you had good mentors. Uh, you know, on the upper class side that were allowed you to be able to make that transition. Yeah, I, I think uh, you know we had we had Steve Armstrong was uh, was was our captain uh, my my freshman year. He was a senior. Uh, we also had uh, a guy named Jerry Plowski that was a defenseman that was a heck of a player that had a end up having a knee injury that really derailed him from you know from having a, a, a tremendous uh, career. I think professionally, Don Sweeney Don was Sweeney, on that team. Yeah, so um, you know we had we had some we had some great players. You know uh, we we missed. Alan Borbeau and Lane McDonald, who were playing in the 88 Olympics. So when they came back the following year and our, our uh, freshman class had a, had a year under our belt, um, you know, then, then it was kind of, you know, the pieces were together like we can, we can make a run at this. And I, I can tell you that for me, you know, I, I, loved, I loved the big game. I loved the spotlight. And, and I did because... I played at Catholic Memorial. We played, you know, I played in, in front of 14,000 fans at the old, or 13,000 fans at the old Boston Garden against Medford High with, you know, with Joe and David Sacco and, mm -hmm. and, uh, and Dapper Bates and, and uh, you know, who's Sean Bates' older brother. Mm -hmm. And um, I mean, that, 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 that environment, that pressure is kind of like these kids in, in Minnesota high school hockey have now. Right. Those guys have, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's a there's a pressure there that definitely um, translates I think to you know to uh, how you handle pressure later on at, at the higher levels that might be in a it's an interesting point, but that might be a reflection. I mean, when we talk about the way the game has changed and you have these AAA teams, you just don't have the spectators. You don't have the towns getting behind the teams as much because now, you know, some of the top players are no longer playing in their towns for their high schools. I'm talking about the MIAA, you know, and that. So the Minnesota State Tournament packs the XL Energy Arena, you know, in, in St. Paul for those games, for those tournament games, but we don't have the same level of of support here in the in massachusetts i i, I couldn't agree more um you know it's 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 a different time and age I, you know for me when i played for cm i was still representing hyde park 
And when I played at Harvard, I was still representing High Park Youth Hockey. Um, and and it's, it's different. And I, and I, I would explain it this way. Um, you know, uh, Insituate right now, um, you know, Insituate has actually, you know, pretty strong history. Dave, uh, Dave Silk, you know, 80 Olympian was from Situate. Um, you know, they've had some, they've had some, you know, Ralph Cox, uh, you know, was, was a Situate guy in the States. In, uh, 1987, you're drafted by the Bruins. Okay. Um, now we were at Ryan's draft and it's a big arena and, you know, uh, back when Ryan got picked and we'd all walk down, it was a big deal. What was it like when you got drafted? Like there was no social media. There was no, you know, you weren't at the draft, right? So the, the first time I've ever been to the draft was for Ryan's draft. Really? Yes. So uh, now I had been to a coach's clinic when Louis LeBlanc was going to be, you know, was a first round draft <laughs> right. pick. So I wanted to go that up was there in Montreal, and, right? yeah, and protect our assets, so to speak, and, <laughs> and, and play the game. But it was, a, it was a coach's clinic up there. The NHL had a coach's clinic. So that was yeah. also really uh, interesting and exciting. But for me, um, back then, you, you're absolutely right, Matt. It was a different story. I, I was at a friend's house at a swimming pool in the <laughs> middle of the summer, and I got a call, and it said, hey, you got drafted, you know, by the Boston Bruins. And, you know, f- for me, you know, I would have, you know, I would have rather been drafted by the Boston Bruins in the fifth round at the 98th, you know, pick yeah. uh, selection in the draft than the than the third selection by anybody else but the Bruins, you know. <laughs> right, so, yeah. uh, and, and that's, you know, we also didn't get a chance to watch, you know, hockey, you know, it was different a- a day and age. We watched the, you know, uh, the Maple Leafs when they came to town or the Canadians when they came to town. But we didn't get to see, you know, hockey, you know, all the teams in the league like like you can do today. Right, yeah. right. Now, so you, your relationship started with the Bruins, but back then there wasn't player development, right? You didn't talk. Did you talk to the Bruins at all during your four years at Harvard? Like, was there communication? Well, I think um, it was a guy named Joe Lyons. Matt, oh, yeah. you know well. Yeah. Joe used to have that uh, that camp in the summer. Yeah. It was like a pro tri- pro tryout camp or whatever that, yeah. whatever he had. Yeah. And I and I yeah. I know you played in that. And, <laughs> yeah. and and I would go to that. So that was a chance to get out in front of the Bruins scouts. Um, you know, and uh, you know I, I was able to play in a couple of different events. And John Rattel was a scout, so every once in a while I would see John Rattel and. After we won the national championship in 1989, um, you know there was an opportunity to to you know start a professional career, um, but but you know I waited till my senior year. Uh, you know I, I to be honest with you, there was no guarantee that you know that I was ever going to have an NHL career uh, to the point where my father kept trying to convince me that I you know, should, should take the grad boards so I could go be a grad assistant maybe at some other school and be able to get my grad school paid for. But, um, but I had a chance to play in the world juniors. Um, then I got a chance to play in the Olympic games and, uh, and, and, you know, even as a 17 year old, we went to, you know, I, I went to, uh, Calgary and had a chance to play. And I think that, I think the Canadian team had six first round defensemen. And, and wow. so, you know, and, and, and I had played, Decent enough to say, wow, maybe this guy's got a chance. And I know in in my heart of hearts, I said, you know, I, I might be able, I might be able to make a run at this. And uh, as much as no one else wants to believe that, you know, the right guy believes that that's me. So, so in '92, you graduate from Harvard. How soon after did you sign that contract and jump on the ice with the Bruins? Because there was a bunch of young guys who kind of hit the, you know, hit the scene. That I remember. Yeah. So not so, I graduated in '91, um, and then. 
and then um, I had shoulder surgery uh, in the spring of my senior year. Um, so I missed the first um, first uh, tryout for the Olympics. Well, that's right. You um, went to but, the Olympics. But I'm then, sorry. but then I had yeah. um, I was able to be there for the second tryout. Um, and and to be honest with you, um, you know, we traveled for the whole year back then with the yeah. Olympic team, and it was high stress because at any point. You know, they we carried extra guys um, so much so that I remember Steve Hines used to have these balls that he used to ro roll around in his fingers to to relax himself because we were all on edge that at any point the coach could come in and say, "Hey, so by just, the way, just you're to, done. yeah, just to clarify, like back then 90, 91, 92, they put together a full season yeah. national team, right? national yeah. team for the full season, and that team, the cast of characters on that team is through the roof." You know, when you you look at Keith DeChuck was there, Billy Guerin, uh, Marty McGinnis, who's a Hall of Famer in his own right, uh, Joe Sacco. Oh, my God, Clark Donatelli. You had everyone there. Yeah, I mean, I we you know, I, I played on a line with Steve Hines and, and Marty McGinnis. Uh, David Emma was on that team. You had Joe Sacco, Sean McEachern. Tim Sweeney. Uh, Tim Sweeney. So we, we did pick up some guys later, um, like Timmy Sweeney uh, and, and Greg Brown. Um, Ray LeBlanc was our goalie. Uh, we got him later. He played. He was you know, lights out. He was lights out. And uh, we had Mo Mantha, um, who, uh, you know, so we added a couple of older defensemen, um, you know, later that, that kind of rounded out the team. Uh, and, you know, if, if they uh, calculated it the same way, so they had switched how they calculated how you went to the medal round, I think we were 4-0-1. We would have been guaranteed a medal just coming out of the first round because we had the best record, uh, you know. And and as it was, we we did have a chance to to play to get in the, you know, the the gold medal game. Lost that uh, opportunity, and then you know lost the the second one with a chance for the bronze. New England Hockey Journal's Rinkwise podcast will return after this message. Do you want to skate fast? For 50 years, Laura Stam instructors have taught youth players to pros how to skate correctly, powerfully, and fast. Players who attend Laura Stam power skating programs learn how to skate fast by learning how to execute every maneuver in hockey. They become powerful, stable, efficient, and explosively fast skaters. If you can't wait for a clinic, join our subscription skills video service and we'll show you the skills taught at our clinics in an easy-to-use video format with training plans to guide your training. Register or subscribe now at laurastam.com. That's L-A-U-R-A-S-T-A-M-M dot com. Develop your game with Level Hockey this summer. Whether you're a youth player or pro, Level Hockey has summer clinics, leagues, and college combines that are right for you. Go to levelhockey.com today to sign up for July and August programs. Availability is limited, so register before they sell out. So the Olympics end and uh, Boston comes calling. So how soon after the Olympics, rephrase it from before, how soon after the Olympics did you jump into a, an NHL game? It's a good question, but I, I think it was probably within, you know, a week to 10 days. You know, I think, um, you know, at the time there was uh, Gord Hines, Steve Hines, uh, Gord Hines from the Canadian Olympic team, 
uh, Joe Janot from uh, huh. from the Canadian Olympic team. If you remember, that was the famous uh, yodeling, y- yodeling, Harry uh, <laughs> Sinden comments. That if was he wants great. to go to Switzerland, yeah. you know, we'll, you know, we'll te- I hope he learns how to yodel. Yeah. Um, and then, um, you know, and then uh, Clark, Clark Donatelli, Donatelli, myself, um, Steve Hines, um, you know, uh, later on, you know, uh, you know, Tim Sweeney right. and 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 CJ Young all even came through Boston, but. Um, I, it was about a, it was about a week. I think I was one day after Heinze. I think mm. Heinze uh, played on a Saturday. Yeah. I actually, I mean, and, and this is almost silly to think about it, this the way it worked. But I was at I was having lunch at a restaurant in Dedham, and uh, and got a call and said, "Hey, the deal's done." The, and, and we were watching the Bruins game on TV. Meet the Bruins at the airport. Bring your skates and your stick. You know everything else they'll supply for you. And I met the team after the game. They were playing a, a home and home, I believe with Chicago. So we flew to Chicago. I had Dave Poulin as a roommate, which is, you know, wow. I don't know if I could have picked a no, better, that's per- perfect. better yeah. person, but I can tell you, I was so nervous that I didn't know what time the game was. So <laughs> when he got up and started moving around, I started to get up. When he went to the rink, I, I was probably, to follow. I was pr- probably <laughs> dressed, you know, 40 minutes too early, but, uh, you know, I, I was afraid to ask anybody what time the, what time the game was. You were David Krejci way before David Krejci. So I, people know you as 21 uh, with the Bruins, but I believe if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, your original number was 46. Yes, I was 46. Yes. Uh, so there you go. Fact. Yeah, okay. I was 46. So we all had numbers in the 40s. I think uh, Joe, Joe Janot was 49. Donatelli uh, was 50. Donatelli was 50. I think uh, Gordy Hines was 47. I think Steve Hines was 43. Uh, then, then there was a whole thing where Heinze thought he, he was going to be 57, the right. 57 sauce. And, I bet Harry well, Sinden yeah, was like, no, no way. No, yeah, way. No, no, that's not going to happen. <laughs> so, so you guys, you guys gave a good jolt to the team. Obviously I remember the youth infusion there during the playoffs and you guys went a few rounds and you really excited the fan base. I remember. Yeah. We, uh, we, we upset Montreal who was the number one seed, uh, and we swept them, um, you know, or sweep I, ever, yeah, I believe. Yeah, yeah, and it, and it was, uh, it was, it was, it was great. You know, I mean, being in the forum was great enough, but to be able to to go into the forum and win games, I think uh, if I remember correctly, Peter Doris maybe had an overtime winner in that series, and then, um, you know, and then the I think it was the next series we had Buffalo, uh, who was who was loaded. You know, Pat Lafontaine, Mogilny, Andrichuk, um, you know, you know. Uh, you know, just loaded across the board. Um, and I can tell you at that point, I, I had just got back from the Olympics. So I was living at my, you know, my parents' house in, in Dedham. And I got home one night. Uh, I was lucky enough to, to, to be on the receiving end of a, a beautiful pass by Rosie Ruzicka uh, and scored in, in overtime against uh, Vermont's own Tom, Tom Draper. Draper. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and so, I mean, it was just incredible, just, you know, Hey, here I am, a, a kid from High Park, and you know I'm celebrating with Ray Bork and and you know the rest of the Bruins uh, and an overtime winner. But I remember specifically going home, being in bed in Dedham, and waking up, you know, a few hours into the night and kind of pinching myself and say, "Hey, that really happened?" Yeah. You know, I remember that series. One the one lasting memory of that series was Adam Oates scoring right off the face off on Draper. Yes, correct. Yes, yep, right from the right it, side on his forehand. So you played in Boston until 1999. What was it like being a hometown kid uh, playing here? The pre- what was the pressure like for you? I've seen kids go through it 
now. I think it's probably more, uh, it's harder on players now with social media and everything. But for you, did you feel a lot of pressure like being the hometown kid? And did that affect you at all? Uh, I, I can't say that I felt a lot of pressure. Um, I, I, I felt a responsibility knowing that, you know, between me and my brothers and my family and my dad, it would coach uh, so many people that, um, you know, that, you know, that a lot of people knew who I was. So I had to kind of make sure I, I, I tried to behave in that manner. But, uh, you know, uh, I don't, I don't think I necessarily felt the pressure. I, I thought it was incredible to play for the Bruins and back then, you know, come out in the old Boston garden and, and, you know, have that smell of smoke and beer and, and electric crowd and, you know, and, and stopping in between commercial breaks to watch the fights, uh, you know, in the stands. And, you know, it was a, it was a special time and I, it was magical as far, as far as I could, you know, remember it. But, um, but I also saw some guys that, uh, who had great runs in Boston that were local guys that it, it didn't go as well at the end. And, and, and I, and it's especially tough for a local guy when it's not going as well. So right. it's, uh, it, it, it is a challenge, but I was, I was lucky. I think, um, you know, I, I, I played on the fourth line and, and then I played on the third line and I snuck out on the, you know, on the power plays and, and, uh, and killed penalties. So I was, I was a way, I found a way to get on the ice, but I didn't have that pressure of having to deliver, you know, 35 goals as a first or second round draft pick. I have a, I have a couple of thoughts. Number one, um, just, do you think it's possible that because you can't really escape being from, you know, like when you're playing for the Bruins and you're from Boston, you live in Boston, the off season, you're here year round. Do you think maybe that, that factors in? And then of course you were fortunate enough that when you were playing most of your years, not everyone had a camera in their pocket. Uh, you know, even though the nineties, that was the, the ushering in of the internet age. I mean, now everyone has a camera, so yeah, no question. It would have been. It would have been. It's more challenging today than it is. Uh, you know, than it was back then. But you know, certainly, um, you know, Bruins fans are are ravenous, right? We love hockey around here, and you know, it, it's it's something that it's hard to explain, but it, it's everyday life, right? Like you you can't go into you know you you go to get gas, and the guy says. Hey, you know what? Uh, you know, I, I thought you guys were going to win last night. Yeah, you right. Know? And, you know, and you <laughs> what can, happened? And, and hey, you had, to, yeah, you're going to a convenience you had the store. Empty net and you hey, missed it. You know, what yeah, happened? You, know, like, you, know, you, you didn't see you didn't see Bork on the back door there. Or, you know, so uh, you know, so it was it, it's it was an everyday thing, and right. and not only for us, but we had you know I'm a, from a a family of five kids, and you know, so you it, everybody felt it, and it was uh, it was a special time, and I was really fortunate. The other the other thing I'm fascinated by is so you came in and 9192 you played last hurrah game you transitioned from Boston Garden and I remember I was in the Fleet Center in April of 96 watching you skate around with one of those Yogi Bear third al alternate jerseys in the 95 96 season and so you went through the transition you played in the old the storied Boston Garden and then you you ushered in the the, the new era the new Bruins the new uniforms what were what are some of the memories of the garden and the biggest contrasts in the differences between the buildings you played in? Yeah, I think the challenge with all these new buildings is to try to create the environment, you know, that the old buildings had, like Boston Garden, Chicago Stadium, you know, the Montreal Forum. Those, those places, you know, were were electric, and the and the fans were right on top of you. Uh, so yeah, there definitely was a, a change. Um, you know, for me, um, yeah, it was it was pretty neat to. Uh, to play in the last game at 
you know, or, or the last skate around at Boston Garden, or playing the first game at, you know, at, uh, you know, at the, I think the Fleet Center at the time. But, um, you know, it was it was also special in a way that, you know, maybe maybe was different than some of the other guys because, you know, I'd grown up watching, you know, not only the Bruins but the Celtics, you know, great teams. Um, I had I had I had grown up, you know, uh, watching, you know the the Norman Levier story and then you know seeing you know Ray uh, push Norman Levier yeah. around the rink like yeah. you know that 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 almost gets me emotional so yeah, yeah. unbelievable so you uh, real quickly like you ended up leaving Boston you ended up playing on six other teams seven total the thing I liked you know with your game you kind of evolved from a high end offensive guy to I think you were smart enough to figure out, hey, if I'm going to stay in the league and I'm going to keep making a living, I've got to change how I play. And you were able to kind of, how did your game change so that you could stay in the NHL for so many years after you left Boston? Yeah, well, I, I uh, when I first came up, um, had a decent, uh, you know, you know, playoffs. Uh, didn't score, I don't think, in the regular season. I maybe had one goal uh, in in Quebec, and then, you know, scored a, scored a few goals in the playoffs. You know, a new training camp was going to be huge for me the next year. Um, got off to a really good start in training camp. But basically, I was, uh, you know, I went from, you know, being a guy that had the puck on my stick a lot and being a, an offensive guy to, all right, you're going to uh, you're gonna center the fourth line and, you know, make sure you get in on those scrum, scrums and pick up the gloves when, the, you know, get the puck in deep for those guys. And, and, uh, and really, I, you know, it took, I think, that season, like almost 60 games to actually get a chance to, um, move up a line, um, but I I always looked at myself as a, as a, as a survivor and and someone that could figure out hey how can I help the team win and you know maybe maybe I just got to keep showing that that I that I want to you know how much I want to play whether it's by hustle by blocking a shot by diving to get a puck out on a penalty kill whatever it was you know um, I I didn't take uh, be, being able to pull that Bruins jersey over my you know over my head um, for granted, you know, for one day. I loved every minute of it. And you, uh, one of your teammates there was uh, our friend Zidane Chara. What was that like? Yeah, well, well, really, my, my teammate, when I was a teammate with Zidane Chara, was in, uh, in New York with the Islanders. Yeah. And Zidane was a, you know, was a, a younger guy, but uh, he wasn't any smaller, I can tell you, at <laughs> that time. So, um, but you could tell that he was just going to be... Um, you know, just a, a, a tremendous player. And, and, you know, character is character. You know, even at, even at you know, 19 years old, uh, you know, or, or whatever he was at the time, you know, th- this guy was a machine. And what he did in the, in the weight room, what he did on the fitness bike, um, the way he worked for practice, um, you know, there, was, there wasn't a question of, you know, whether he was going to have a career. It was going to be how big a superstar would he yeah. ev- eventually become. You made the point about you had to adjust your game, you know, in order to kept in the lineup. Uh, there's a lot of guys who are top six guys, maybe in the American League or college, but then when you move up a level, you're going to start in the bottom six. Um, and do you notice that a lot with kids? They've got to recognize what type of player they they are and that they need to expand their game in order to play. Yeah, I think I think it happens at any level. You know, you're the new guy in the team. You have to earn your stripes, and it might be a, a junior or senior that gets the first shot at you know at the at the most important and impactful minutes. 
But I think pro hockey is even a different animal because, you know, if uh, if you're a third baseman, let's say for the uh, you know for the for the Red Sox, and you're you're behind Wade Boggs, you know, you might wait a long time before you get to play third base. So, yeah, yeah. but but That's in in hockey, I think you have to find a way to be helpful to the team. And sure, you know, if I wanted to, you know, you know stick to the fact that I was an offensive guy and I just need an opportunity to be an offensive guy. Yeah. I could have went down to the American league and maybe, you know, scored and maybe got a chance over a number of years. But for me it was, Hey, what can I do to get on the ice to be useful and help this team win? And, and hopefully I can, you know, at some point I'll get a chance to, you know, to show that I can do more. And I think that's uh, really a good lesson for all young kids. So you elongated your career by changing your style, which was great. And you finished up in 2004, and all of a sudden, I, I remember, uh, all of a sudden you're the head coach at Harvard. How did that come about uh, so quickly? And were they recruiting you kn knowing that your career might be over soon? Well, no, they weren't. <laughs> this is the short answer. Um, you know, there was a coach there, Mark Mazzolini. Um, we, had, we had got knocked out of the, uh, the playoffs. We were up, I think... Uh, I think we were up two to nothing, um, you know, and uh, that was a series where Joe Thornton was, you know, uh, really banged up and was getting, you know, uh, you know, all sorts of injections just to try to stay healthy. Um, Patrice Bergeron's rookie year. Yeah, we had yeah. we we had a good team. We had you know Brian Ralston was on that team and PJ Axelson. Um, we had we had a t we had a talented team. Um, and we were up. I broke my foot. I got hit with a Sheldon uh, Surrey slap shot um, and broke my foot. And so, you know, there was the threat of the lockout, which ended up having, you know, basically uh, took a year away from, from yeah. hockey that year. Um, and it just happened that Harvard was in, in the middle of, uh, or in the midst of a coaching change. And I, I reached out. Um, to be honest with you, I, I had also uh, interviewed uh, for a commercial real estate job, um, you know, and, you know, met some great guys that I think would have been, a, you know, a lot of fun. And, and you know, Richard's Barry Joyce it was, and yeah. Joyce obviously is, a, you know, a family that, you know, yeah. is in the hockey world now, a couple of kids, uh, one at BC and one on its way, I yeah. think. So, yeah. um, you know, and, and so, you know, they were friends with Billy Guerin, who I'd played in the Olympic team with. So it's, it's kind of a small world, the, the hockey world, but, uh but yeah, I, I just, uh, I kind of was, uh, you know, in the right place at the right time. Did you always think that you were going to be a coach? I mean, you had been influenced by your father. You know, you'd, you'd, you're always a cerebral player. Like, did you think ever think you'd be a coach? I wasn't sure. I, when I was with the Rangers uh, the year before, uh, Glenn Sather had, had asked me uh, just randomly one day, you know, if I was inter interested in, in, uh, in coaching uh you know, the Seattle Thunderbirds, I think it was, or one of the teams in the Western Hockey League that he had owned with a couple of other guys. And, you know, I said, well, listen, I, you know, I, I think I got a couple of years left. I'm going to try to, and I did, I ended up playing, you know, another year, but um, I, I loved hockey. I still love hockey. I, you know, I watch it every night on TV. I enjoy, you know, I could go to a kid's game and enjoy it. I, you know, it's, it's, it's who I am. Um, Having said that, I, I didn't know uh, if I was going to get into coaching, and I didn't know if I was really willing to, you know, to to pick up and move my family all over the place because I had just done that for quite some time, and the kids were at an, an era, you know, in a time when, 
you know, I think it was more important for me to be able to catch them, uh, you know, catch a baseball game or catch a hockey game or whatever they were doing. I mean, it's easy to say to Glenn Sather, hey, you know, Seattle's not inside 128. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so you get into Harvard, you start coaching, and uh, how much was Coach Cleary around? And, and I think your style of play kind of uh, from coaches, Coach Cleary's influence is how you – it's kind of what you implemented at Harvard. Yeah, I think I had such a great experience, played with so many great guys that I had an appreciation for um, for the experience that we had, and and, uh, and that's what I, you know, I, I've still today try to create. Hey, we we have a chance to be really good. You guys can have, you know, a lot of fun, and you know, you be good kids on campus, and uh, you you know you'll you'll reap the benefits of going to one of the world's best universities. So. Um, you know, we've been, we've had a great string. I think we've had, uh, I think we've had 14, 13 or 14 guys play in the national hockey league this year alone. So yeah, it's, wow. uh, it's, it's, it's pretty cool. I think we had, you know, 12 draft picks on our team, uh, last year. Um, Hey, it, you know, n not all draft picks are, are created e uh, equally. I, I know that. And some of them are a little lower than, uh, say what Michigan had this year, but, but, uh, you know, to me, we get great kids and, and, and we have a, you, know, you hear it all the time, you know, culture, but we, I think we have a, a great atmosphere and culture that, that our guys enjoy and, and maintain. The Sean Farrell kid isn't too bad, I hear. Hey, great players make great coaches, right? Isn't that the, uh, I, think, I don't know who said it, the, the, you know, the, the, the team that gets off the bus with the best players uh, seems to have the best coach. So who, who was your first recruit as head coach? The first kid that you really can look back to and say, he was number one, and 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 what you know what what drew you to him? So um, my first recruit was Doug Rogers, and and Dougie Rogers was a heck yep. of a player for us at yep. at Harvard. Really talented, uh, played at St. Sebastian's yep. uh, yep. from Watertown. I remember going to his house. I came out of there knowing what the Harvard experience meant to me, and and the opportunity that that Dougie would have not only to be a great player, but to be able to go to Harvard and change, you know, his kind of path in life. And I felt so great coming out of there. Uh, and, and believe it or not, that was considered super early. And that was, I want to say, you know, in July 1st, going into his senior year. <laughs> <laughs> Man, things have changed. Yes. You know, well, it seems like, uh, I think you really have evolved as a coach. I think every year you've kind of added to your, toolbox if you will uh would you say you've evolved how have you evolved as a coach since 04 when you had no experience to now well i think i was i was really fortunate to play for some great coaches played for you know um you know jacques martin played for pat burns played for brian sutter um and as i got older i really watched you know more closely you know how these how these guys operated um you know played in in uh in new york one year and our coaching staff was uh Brian Trottier, you know, um, Jim Schoenfeld, Terry O'Reilly, you know, um, you know, it's just, uh, you know, with Glenn Sather as the GM. So I, I had, I had been exposed to some really interesting, uh, coaching styles. Uh, certainly coach Clary, uh, I would say was, was important to me as to how I wanted to coach as well. Um, you know, but I, I think that, uh, you know, the, the evolution, if you will, uh, you know, it takes some time. I, I, I thought I knew hockey, um, but I, you know, yeah, I had to learn how to teach again. You know, I had, a, I had, I had a, you know, not, you know, I remember talking to Dave Poulin, who was at, 
Notre Dame at the time, and he said, Teddy, if I could tell you one thing, it was don't try to treat these guys like they're NHL pros. You learned a lot over the years. You might you might think you knew it all the time, but you learned a lot over the years. And you know you have to be able to, you know you know to be able to teach and and to coach. Uh, and also, quite frankly, I didn't understand you know um, how involved the recruiting you know process would become. And and it took me uh, you know we had success my you know my first two years we won we lost in the finals of the ECAC championship game. The second year we won the ECAC championship. Both years qualified for the for the NCAA tournament. But then but then we had a stretch where we just um, we weren't we weren't having the success recruiting. That we, that we should have had, and and you know part of that was uh, uh, you know not having a full understanding of, of how the recruiting game worked. And what's what's interesting is I, I think that in the last ten to fifteen years, everyone's thinking NHL now. You don't hear as much about what's your goal. I want to play for BC. I want to play for Harvard, and that's it. Like everyone's thinking NHL. And one of the things that I think where that you guys have capitalized on in the last ten years. Uh, is that some of your guys have finally made it to the NHL. So you're able to point to uh, players, and I'm thinking of Alex Killorn in particular, where you're able to point to a player and say, listen, you can have your cake and eat it too. I can get you to the NHL and you can get a Harvard degree. Would you say that that's helped you in the last 10 years with guys like Killer who have kind of you know shown that you can play in the NHL and go to a great school? Absolutely. I think, uh, I mean, obviously, Matt, you know, uh, Alex Cologne's one of my favorites. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, nothing makes me happier than seeing him uh, when, when, you know, raise that Stanley Cup over his head over the last two years. And even the stuff he's done with uh, donating all the computers to the inner city schools after he was riding yeah. around on his jet ski just shows you the, yeah. the type of first class person he is. Uh, um, but I, I, I think there's no question, you know, um, you know, that, that, times have changed you know we have guys that know that they can go to a place like harvard and and get a, a world-class education but still have the opportunity to to live out their dreams of playing in the national hockey league and so uh you know we've had we've had great success over the last you know several years uh and, and it's it's really i mean to me to have you know 13 guys i think uh this year play in the national hockey league in one season I, i'm not sure when 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 I went to Harvard, there were 13 guys that played a game in the National Hockey League in the the program's history. So you know we've been fortunate to figure out uh, you know kind of a, a little bit of a niche recruiting wise, and uh, and I think it comes down to development and relationships. And uh, we've been we've been lucky to have some great ones. And I think you I think you're. You know, your recruiting has gotten better. Uh, you've gotten some very good assistant coaches that have capitalized on on, you know, uh, the emergence. I also think, too, uh, how important was it for you guys to change the structure of the facility? Yeah, I think it. Uh, I think if you look around, you know, uh, college hockey, the teams, teams do well after they, you know, do a renovation or have a new rink. It just, it, it shows well, it makes it easier to recruit, and it shows that the, the sport means something at the, at the university. So we were able to help sell that 
kids were excited about it. Um, you know, then we were able to have um, ice available in the summer. So that meant, you know, kids could come if they were going to development camp in the summer and skate. Kids could come if they wanted to take a couple classes in the summer. Kids could skate if they wanted to work an internship in the summer. So, uh, you know, the, the, the changes made to the facility, you know, really, uh, you, know, were, you know, is a big part of it all. Uh, and, and you guys have been able to make the NCAAs, uh, I think, what, for the last six or seven years. So you guys have been in the mix. Yeah, I think, I think, it's, I think it's five or six. And, and, uh, five, yeah. and, and um, you know, we had basically really two years because the one year, uh, you know, there were no playoffs and, and you know, there was, was no NCAA. And the other year we weren't playing. But, uh, yeah, we, we've, had, we've had some success, uh, you know, uh, as a team. We've had some success uh, individually. We've had guys you know, win, uh, you know, the Hobie Baker winner, uh, uh, you know, award. We've had guys be in the final three. Uh, and I think we had a stretch where we had, you know, uh, uh, you know, all American for, I think six years in a row, which there was only, I think four teams in the, in the history of college hockey that, that had that, uh, accomplishment. You also have an added bonus. You've had, had an opportunity to coach your sons. And I know you coached Ryan, Cape Cod Whalers days, but you also got him at, at, at the uh, at the college level. Just talk about that experience and, and some of the challenges of, of being the head coach, but also dad and how that permeates down, you know, in, in terms of how you handle all of your student athletes. Yeah, I think, you know, that was a challenge. Um, you know, certainly Ryan was, was a good player, so that wasn't the challenge. Uh, right. But it's a challenge having a, you know, having a son on the team. Um you know, it's probably just as tough for the player or the son than it is on the on the dad. He knew that I was going to be tougher on him. Uh, he knew that if, you know, his line was out there and, and you know, someone was, was going to, you know, feel some heat about a mistake, it was going to be directed at him uh, more than, than others. And, uh, you know, and, and I think, you know, I had to just find a way to, you know, to be a dad at different times, you know, but I was coach when I was on the bench, I was coach when I was in the locker room. And, uh, you know, it, it's, uh, you know, this year for me is, is, is bittersweet. you know, I'm, I'm happy to have my son, Jack, have a, you know, a great final year and, and win the Ivies and win the, you know, uh, win the ECAC tournament and go to the NCAA tournament, uh, and have, have a, you know, successful year, but it's, it, it it's bittersweet because, you know, I've been lucky to, to coach, uh, one of my kids for the last number of years. And, 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 you know, yeah, there's some challenges with it, but some of the benefits, there's benefits there as well. It also gives me a great insight as to what's going on on campus. When are the, you know, what are guys doing as far as exams or what's going on what, that might make guys, you know, um, you know tired or, or, or challenged as far as the schedule goes. Um, and, and at the end of the day, um, you know, I, I, I believed in Harvard. I wanted my kids to have a chance to go to school with that with that quality of people and graduate from Harvard. So that kind of, you know, that was really the, the deciding factor. And, you know, my dad coached us a little bit um, in baseball, but not too much because he was coaching all year. And, and the only thing he would coach is, uh, and this is in the Wayback Machine, but they used to have the Santa Claus tournament at Hingham, uh, you know, and, and it was buzzer hockey. So every two minutes, the buzzer would go off. Nobody, nobody would believe this hockey existed now, but every two minutes, the buzzer would go off. And I remember, you know, I remember even playing against Brian Leach from Cheshire, Connecticut as a squirt saying, wow, this guy's pretty good, <laughs> you know, yeah. but, but, um, but my dad was, was a, you know, was a, 
a headmaster, so he actually had when there was when there was school breaks. Sometimes he would jump in and just help out because our coach was had a job and couldn't make it for the you know eleven o'clock in the morning game. So those are the only times that he coached, and um, and and so I kind of learned that hey, you know what, when you, when your dad's the coach, you know he's got to he's got to keep the integrity of the team, and sometimes it might come at your expense, but you can kind of make up for that, you know, maybe on the car ride home the next day. So. Uh... The Ryan Donato recruiting process is interesting. You know, you had a pretty good player living with you in your own house, but uh, it wasn't for sure he was going to go to Harvard, right? Uh, Quinny thought he was going to get him at BU, maybe. Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, to me, to me, you know, I, Ryan, Ryan in some ways and Jack, they grew up around Harvard hockey. So they, you know, they were at the rink anytime they get on the ice. They knew our players. They were in and out of the locker room. So I think Harvard was a special place for him. But, you know, and by the way, uh, you know, as a coach, you know, pretty good player to add into my lineup. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. you know, but, uh, you know, and, and it's funny. I think sometimes, uh, you know, as, as, as former uh, NHLers, we get maybe too much credit for, you know, for when our kids have success. But uh, a lot of times when we're playing, it's, it's the moms. <laughs> You know, that take the kids to the games. They're the ones that, uh, you know, live with, you know, all the time we're away when we're playing and, and the development. So, um, you know, so Ryan went on a visit to, uh, you know, to BU uh, with with my wife, Janine. Uh, I didn't go. I felt like it was it was the right thing to do to kind of let him, you know, uh, you know, have a have a have a, a you know, an experience. Uh you know, and uh, and hey, Harvard Harvard admissions is always a challenge, right? And, and Ryan was work, working really hard to, you know, to kind of make the the grade, so to speak. And uh, and so yeah, I, I think I wanted I wanted Ryan to be as excited as I was I was about going to Harvard, and and thankfully he was. Well, Coach Donato, it's been great having you. Thank you for all of the the insights. Uh, just you've done a lot and uh, we appreciate your time thank you for joining us well thank you so much it's uh it's been fun kind of reliving uh you know uh how fortunate i've been and and uh and some of the great people that i've you know that i've been in, impacted by um you know i think uh we all we all love hockey we ha we happen to live in a, in a great hockey hotbed here and uh and, and i think what you guys are doing is great and i really am grateful for the opportunity to to be here today with you guys well get out to the golf course soon coach and uh, work on that handicap yeah i need yeah. i need to work on it i cer <laughs> certainly need to work on it but uh, i'm looking forward to it and it's uh you know hopefully hopefully we'll be able to to watch some of these boston sports teams as long as we can uh in the playoffs yeah. well again uh thank you um until uh next time uh, this is Kirk Ludicky, Matt Cater, and uh, Harvard coach Ted Donato for Rinkwise. And we'll see you at the rink. Thanks for listening to New England Hockey Journal's Rinkwise podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and other podcast platforms. Follow us on Twitter at NE Hockey Journal, on Instagram and Facebook at New England Hockey Journal. And subscribe to New England Hockey Journal online at HockeyJournal.com. New England Hockey Journal's Rinkwise is a Siemens Media Podcast.